Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Hello and good afternoon. This is C.W. Hall, your host of Top Docs Radio. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Why are we here? Because our goal is to improve the level of health in our community by increasing awareness among both patients we serve and the physicians who provide their care. In our own practice, we recognize that in many situations, both groups are unaware of the availability of a particular treatment or modality that could have a positive effect on a given disease process or condition. Medicine and the evidence behind it is constantly evolving, so it's difficult to keep up with every facet that has changed or advanced. And in addition to that, new physicians are constantly coming into the community that others may not realize are here. So I get the opportunity to let both our patients and the community physicians get information that will hopefully lead to better overall outcomes in our community. And today, I'm very pleased to be joined by a couple of uh, surgeons that uh, at some point in our life, somebody close to us, if not ourselves, we're going to end up seeing. Uh, That is Dr. Gordon Brady and Dr. Brenda Hall of Oral Surgery Associates and Dental Implant Centers. Uh, A little bit about each one of them. Dr. Gordon Brady received his his DMD degree from Medical College of Georgia. He graduated first in his class, so certainly somebody you would want to go be treated by. Subsequently, he completed his internship in anesthesiology and a residency in oral and maxillofacial surgery at the Medical College of Georgia. He's board certified by the American Board of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery, and he's been practicing oral surgery at the oral oral and maxillofacial surgery in uh, his uh, dental implant centers for over 30 years? 34 years. Uh, very, very great. And, th- of course, Dr. Hall, she completed her undergraduate training at Oklahoma City University with a Bachelor of Science. Her DDS and D degree, she received a DDS from the University of Oklahoma and an MD from Emory School of Medicine. Did her residency in oral surgery at the Emory School of uh, Medicine and the oral surgery department. She's also board certified in uh, oral and maxillofacial surgery as well, and I'm very pleased to have you both here. Um, What we're hoping to do today is to try to maybe help our community understand a little bit more about when do I need an oral surgeon versus going to my usual dentist that I see once or twice a year for my my cleaning. So, um, you know, Dr. Gordon, you started the practice, is that right? Right. Well, I was actually second in the practice, but our most uh, senior partner retired quite a few years ago, about eight years ago. So you're the you're the kind of the the leader of the group, so to speak, nowadays. At the present time, I am. All right. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about your practice. From what I understand, you have ten locations around the community, and um, and I when I was looking on the website, which is actually great for information for uh, folks looking to know a little bit more about what you do. Um, each of those physicians, do they have kind of a primary practice location that they work in, or do you guys kind of, kind of move around? How does it work for We kind of have a group philosophy here. We go to three offices each, three or four, and we find it uh, very uh, effective in that way because, you know, each location we make uh, relationships with referring doctors, which we really depend on to make our practice go. And in one location, we might develop certain uh, individuals that refer to us and than at the other two also. So during the week, we actually stay a lot busier because of that. So we move, and it makes you clean your desk off every day, that's for sure. <laughs> so if, if I'm a patient, then I'm probably going to get to your practice through a dentist saying this problem is 
going to be one that would require a, a little bit more advanced surgical intervention? Is that, is that how it typically happens, or do I refer myself to you as a patient? Typically, it is a, a referral and from a general dentist or one of the other specialties in dentistry. But, you know, the patients can come directly to us, too. That uh, A lot of them have a, a misconception that they have to be referred in, and that's not true at all. We see anybody that needs our help. I see. So with 10 different surgeons in the practice, um, are you all kind of, how much overlap do you have? Do you, does everybody pretty much kind of have similar surgical backgrounds that they're, that they're working on, or, or is there a particular focus that's kind of individual for each, each surgeon that they try to stay in a particular area? That's a good question, and Charles, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Um, there are, um, you know, all of us are trained um, identically pretty much in what we can, you know, do. Um, but some of us find interest in other things, you know, um, particularly, you know, dental implants or cosmetics, trauma, you know, any type of reconstruction. So um, a lot of us bring in individual talents to the to the group, and we respect each one of our talents, and um, we make sure the patients get to the appropriate physician to can treat them. So if I come in and I have a particular issue, obviously, with based on the background, I mean, you you can, you know, look at the bios online and you can see that everybody comes with really an excellent pedigree, if you will, of, mm -hmm. of training and, and experience. So y it might be possible that I refer, you know, get referred into you and you say, oh, for this particular procedure, I would recommend Dr. Brady for, for that just because he's, you know, kind of primo. He's really put a lot of focus in that particular area versus someone might say for maybe a an aesthetic procedure, I'm going to send you over to Dr. Hall because that's something that she does a whole lot of, really enjoys doing that. And That's correct. I mean, that's uh, a lot of what happens. You know, say we're looking at a patient and they've come in because they want to correct their smile. And, uh, you know, we've examined everything, you know, from the oral cavity, their teeth and the, their health. But, you know, we sometimes like to step back, particularly myself, like to step back and try to figure out how can we uh, further emphasize this patient's smile. And uh, thankfully, the group's been... Um, you know, pretty receptive of uh, my ta uh, my gift and my talent and uh, my desire to do a lot of the cosmetics, and so they'll they'll refer patients over to me to uh, further uh, address other cosmetic issues. I can attest to some of your skills. You've done work on my teeth, actually. <laughs> Got a lovely white uh, uh, smile, thanks to uh, Dr. Hall. Um, you know. What what sorts of things do you focus on? I mean, I know we talked about obviously it's in your name, implant centers, but uh, you know, and we're certainly going to take some time to talk about that. But tell me some of the other things that, uh, as surgeons, you guys are going to focus on. Implant dentistry has been a just a gigantic boon to uh, dentistry and the way we can uh, treat patients now. We can do things that just a few years ago we just didn't find imaginable. Uh, we also do many other things too, including trauma. Uh, the routine day-to-day -day practice in oral surgery really, though, is dental alveolar. That, what that means is that we're taking out wisdom teeth. That's the bread and butter thing we do almost every day. And take out teeth for dentures or abscess teeth. Or, and I also mentioned trauma. patient comes in from a baseball game. They've got a tooth knocked out. We decide whether we can put it back in or we have to replace it with an implant. Pathology is another issue. We see uh, a lot of uh, oral cancer, and that's what we're constantly checking for and trying to make the public aware of that also, that if you see lesions in your mouth, do not wait. Go ahead and get an evaluation and move along with the process so that uh, that could be deadly in certain areas. And if they're caught early, most all of that is curable. So you guys are probably working some with ear, nose, and throat specialists then as well who are identifying and maybe back and forth between, you know, 
different cancers of the mouth that they would be sending to you or you might find and send to them for, for care. Charlie, that's exactly right. There are certain areas that uh, it's very difficult for every physician to know every problem in every gland or organ, and that's why there's so many specialties. The uh, specialty VNT helps, especially where in parotid tumors or calcifications in the parotid, is one example. And we get a lot of referrals from the uh, ENTs to uh, evaluate oral cancer and that type of thing, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh- you know, most of us are all trained in, in identifying and sometimes treating uh, head and neck cancers. But individually, depending on the program that people went to, um, particularly here in Georgia, most of us are, are able to diagnose and uh, come up with a treatment plan. But we work together with other specialties to help treat the patient and then further reconstruct the patient. And when it comes to oral cancer, you know, a lot of the times the the ENT uh, folks will help remove it and uh, take care of the ablative-type processes. But when it comes to reconstruction, they'll probably refer them back over to us to, to restore their, their health. Because uh, something I learned, you know, just through, you know, knowing you over the years and, and uh, you know, being familiar with you during your training, something I didn't realize until you were doing, you know, your residency training was that a lot of you do a pretty heavy dose of plastic type surgery, you know, if, you know, that you might think only a plastic surgeon would do, but you, you guys can do a great deal of both aesthetic and reconstructive plastic work on someone's face. Definitely. You know, most of us, um, you know, with ENT or um, oral surgery, there is additional training that you can go ahead and obtain called a fellowship where you can um, further your education with uh, cosmetic procedures, specifically with ENT and oral surgery, because we focus strictly on the head and neck. Um, There's no other area that we choose to operate on. So we often find that our focus training can be beneficial. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, obviously we mentioned earlier that implants are, are a big part of what you all do. So tell me a little bit more about that. I was doing some reading before, um, while I was waiting for the show to start, and I was kind of surprised to see that there was actually an archaeological find in a Mayan, uh, uh, you know, civilization location where they found skulls that had uh, evidence of dental implants from 600 AD. They had used stone, some mm-hmm. seashells. There was some uh, jade that, uh, and they actually found that some of them had actually had some implantation within the bone. They were kind of surprised to find that. But it's been around for a while, but obviously uh, we're not implanting seashells and bones now. No, I think just about every <laughs> culture and society has tried to uh, replace missing teeth. And so that, you know, they've even come up with wood, um, uh, stones, pearls, uh, any seashells. So uh, thankfully nowadays we found a great success in what we have now. And we've improved the success rate through technology whether it mostly being the surface coating of the uh, dental implant, that we're now at about a 98% success rate. So it's going to last for a long time once I get it. Most everyday implants are made out of titanium. And actually, there was a fellow in Sweden approximately 50 years ago or so that found the that bone, human bone, would actually fuse to the surface of the titanium, and therefore, that's where we base everything we do off now. And that was kind of an accident, wasn't he? didn't, wasn't necessarily looking to see if that would work. He was kind of like, oh, wait, I went to take this out, and it's stuck there. Very interesting uh, that you'd bring that up, because he was actually an orthopedic surgeon, and he was studying bone uh, healing in dogs, and they actually had a little titanium implant he put in with a window on top of it, so he could watch the bone grow inside that window. And those were pretty expensive back then, 50 years ago, specially made, and he couldn't get them back out. 
they were stuck <laughs> in the bone and he had to actually cut them back out of the bone. And so brilliant guy, he said, look at this. Maybe this could lead to other things. And that's where the dental implant, he actually started uh, the first dental implant company. And But to give him credit, he went through years and years of research on his own before he ever even introduced that to the market. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Dr. Gordon Brady and Dr. Brenda Hall of Oral Surgery Associates um, with various locations around uh, Atlanta here on Top Docs Radio. And, 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 and tell me, who, who is typically the patient that's coming to you that, that needs implants? I mean, what, get, what gets me to that place? The patients that typically walk in have been referred by a, a dentist. You know, they've spent a lot of money uh, trying to repair a tooth, whether it be a root canal, a post and core, a crown, and, you know, it's eventually failed. It either fails immediately or it fails, you know, uh, years later. You know, the average uh, crown and bridge only lasts about 6.8 years, according to the ADA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've, they, they come in because eventually it has failed. And it's usually the first molar because that tooth has been in there the longest. It comes in when we're six years old. And so it's often that the most common tooth, I would say, that uh, we're replacing is that first molar. And so we, we meet with the patient. We let them know the process um, about uh, dental implants and um, what it's going to be like to uh, uh, replace that missing tooth. So in most cases, it's it's we're talking in majority of people, probably one, two, or three, just a smaller number of, of teeth that we're implant, in, uh, replacing absolutely. with an implant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Day to day, we'd see the single implant case. It's the most frequent. And like Brenda mentioned, it, it is the first molar. They are under a tremendous load, and over a period of time, they can crack and break, and that's where the failures come in. And now we have the modern dental implant that we can put in that place. And the implant actually acts like a tooth root, mm-hmm. and everything is based on top of that. And therefore, we have some flexibility in what we can do for the patients. So with the implant in the mandible or the jawbone for mm-hmm. the, uh, our, our patient folks out there, uh, with that implant being actually secured into physically into that bone, does that then transfer? Because we know that stress on a bone can help make it strong. It it needs stress on it. So is that kind of one of the things, because from what I understand, if you have dentures, for example, that are just kind of sitting there, that doesn't stress the bone quite enough and you can actually have some bone loss in the mandible. Is that That's very correct. Um, You know, when we lose a tooth, um, usually to periodontal disease or some sort of decay or fracture, and if that tooth is not replaced, you you will lose bone over time. And and it happens slowly, but it will happen. Same thing along the lines of dentures that you spoke of. You know, when we um, are are wearing a denture over over bone, there is no function or stress uh, on that bone. And so over time, it'll it'll start to resorb away. So therefore, we try to uh, stress at immediate, uh, you know, as soon as to to address this missing tooth as soon as possible. So they don't, you know, they prevent that bone loss and help uh, maintain a normal anatomy in that area. So why do why do people, I mean, how do I end up with dentures? I mean, to begin with, I'm 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 unclear on kind of what's the typical process for me over time that in ultimately all my teeth are out and now I've got dentures. What? How does that happen? The typical reason that uh, most people would become completely edentulous or lose all their teeth is periodontal reasons. They uh, either from health uh, situations genetically or uh, just poor hygiene and they're they have bone loss around their teeth. The, teeth subsequently become mobile and uh, painful and diseased, and so they need to be removed. So that is the original uh, 
reason that most people uh, lose their teeth. But now with the way we can go with dental implants, we can reconstruct all those uh, in total arches, at least, in one day. And when you say a total arch, you mean going around the hole from, from one molar around the front and back to the other side? Exactly. Okay. And, and you know, from your perspective as surgeons who are, you know, advising mm-hmm. patients, I mean, do you typically get introduced to the patient after they've had dentures? I've already got dentures and now we're, you know, maybe I'm having trouble or, I mean, t- how do they flow from transition from going with a denture now to getting something which sounds like clinically is probably the better option, and that is having a permanent implant. You know, I see patients um, either referred from their dentist because their denture no longer fits or they're tired of wearing a denture and they're, you know, they're looking for other options. You know, thanks to the media, uh, we sometimes get patients who refer themselves uh, coming in and want to talk about dental implants. They've been wearing dentures for a long time. And for, you know, people who are dentures, people don't realize what it's like wearing a denture. You know, the taste of your food is different. Uh, you speak differently. And um, so and they, you, over time, need to have this denture remade because the, of the bone loss. So they're usually either seeking us out ourselves or they've, they've gone to their dentist and they're looking for options. And so, you know, when I see a patient come in, for me, I present different treatment level options for people who are wearing dentures because it's a lot of times it's, it's um, economically driven for the patient. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have um, just a uh, couple implants that will help retain a denture to make it less mobile. Or you can, you know, um, take it a little further and add mo- uh, more implants around the throughout the arch and give them something that's fixed. And you can either do this over time or, you know, we can often do that um, all in one day. Oh, that's really exciting. Charlie, I was going to mention, too, uh, what Brenda's alluding to, too. For us as physicians and doctors, one of the most benefit, most heartwarming things we can do is do this for mm-hmm. a patient. They are the happiest people by far that we treat. And I tell everybody, nobody really runs up and kisses me after having a, a <laughs> surgery for wisdom teeth. But they do when you fix, give them fixed teeth especially of the ones that have been edentulous for years and years. Mm-hmm. And they're back to eating what they used to be eating. You know, the, I take a lot of before and afters on um, my patients, and so I can see what they when they first came in to that very first appointment, not only do we change their, their teeth and give them the ability to chew again, you know, we notice other things. You know, we've got a, a different haircut. You know, we've got a different color. You know, they start dressing a little bit differently. And so it does. It's a huge investment that they make to improve themselves. But what uh, happens down, I see the, the, the biggest change over them overall. And that is extremely heartwarming. And it's very, very exciting for us, too, to see the, the change in their lifestyle that can take place after that. Treatment. So is, is it, to, do, where do I go to get dentures, for example? I don't, I don't assume I would come to get dentures from 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 a practice such as yours so um, am i going to like a denture center or something is, is that is it like a business that's out there that or is it more in general dentistry office where i'll find yeah, get dentures both and partials? Yeah, if a patient comes to us uh right off the street basically out of the blue without a referral then we will arrange uh, one of our colleagues to help assist in our team mm-hmm. uh usually a prosthodontist or a general dentist too that can make uh, good uh, teeth, and they're really responsible for what you see, basically. We 
are putting the surgical base in for supporting the different prosthesis and restorations that go in the mouth. But they're the ones that are responsible for that. We have some just fantastic colleagues that we work with. So from the perspective, because you, you mentioned that when I'm trying to decide what, I'm, what am I going to do, what's best for me, you know, do, should I, I, I'm missing some teeth now, and should I get a partial denture or a full denture or get implants? Uh, from the financial perspective, is it something that my dental insurance covers? You know, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, myself, I'm not very well versed in it. So I, I couldn't tell you whether my insurance would pay for a denture or a partial, for example, versus implants. So how does that flow for a patient trying to decide? You know, uh, a patient is usually um, has a regular dentist and that they're being seen and treated and evaluated. And that initial dentist will give a treatment plan. What I always recommend um, a lot of times is patients, you know, um, listen to the, the uh, treatment plan, you know, go to the uh, referrals that they've uh, been set to, uh, you know, sent to. But, you know, just really um, look into what are all the treatment options. You know, like I said earlier, you know, many times patients just go for a bridge when they're, they lose a tooth. You know, they're cutting down two healthy adjacent teeth. And eventually, again, that's not going to last forever. And so, you know, they're going to take out three teeth for that one tooth uh, eventually. And so, you know, trying to um, educate patients on the, the lifespan and the overall long haul of when we're trying to repair a tooth. And that's why I think getting patients at least in uh, multiple doors, mm -hmm. uh, multiple physicians um, or dentist offices to find out all the treatment options that are available and educate themselves. That's one reason why I really wanted to have specialists like yourselves here is because I think that, you know, when I talked in the opening a little bit about awareness on the part of our referral physicians and the patients that we're serving, I, I, I think that that's one of the gaps is that we don't necessarily know um, maybe, you know, let's say, for example, out of pocket, if I have to, I might potentially have to pay a little more, maybe not, but if I do have to pay a little more, for example, to do permanent implants based on what you're telling me, uh, I can almost guarantee that I'm going to have to go back and pay more money to get dentures refitted, remade. Um, that's going to be more out-of-pocket cost and on relatively near horizon versus permanent implants that are going to last me ideally if I take care of them and do some of the things from a self-care perspective that may let, take me last the, the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, it sounds like, in a way, that uh, it, it, it financially down the long haul, it's probably, and just clinically as an outcome, uh, worth investing in that. That, it, that is true. Um, what's hard is people are initially driven financially mm. um, in the moment. And so, you know, it's what they can afford right now. And so they, they have a hard time thinking about how much money I'm going to be putting out over time. So we just uh, try to educate the people that, uh, you know, an initial upfront cost may be a little bit more, but it'll be worth it in the end. I know, you know, for, you know, when a patient comes to our particular practice, um, obviously we're, we're treating a different group of people with some minor overlap with you, but, but, you know, some of our procedures and treatments are, are expensive. And so, um, we have the ability to work out some plans for those patients that would make it possible for them to get the treatment that will either help them save their limb or fix their radiation problem. And, and we can spread it out over time with you all. I mean, do you have the ability if I, if, if I'm coming to you and really in your mind, you feel like from a clinical perspective, that I have the, you know, need for permanent implants. Can we, are there ways that I can spread it out or do I, you know, need to expect to kind of pay today? Yes, definitely. We have some backup uh, credit type uh, companies that help. Like care with credit, that. for example. Care credit, uh -huh. mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, you know, going to the, uh, the cost or, you know, how expensive th something is, a lot of that is uh, psychological too. Mm -hmm. The 
it's the patient's impression on what they really want. And what Brenda was alluding to earlier, we do give a wide variety of treatment plans. And it's not one size fits all. We have to have a, a variety of things because, of course, nobody, not everybody can uh, ex- afford uh, certain things that we do. Right. But eventually they may be able to. So we try to build in that uh, future for them, too, that if they can't do that now, let's do what we can do to get them through this time and into the, an area or maybe later when financially they can afford things to do the upper end treatment. Mm-hmm. And so when I was when I was reading a little bit about um, the implant process, um, it sounds like there's several ways you can do it in terms of, you know, some of them take one or two or three steps and then some of them you can do it, you know, in essentially one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking to Dr. Brenda Hall and Dr. Gordon Brady from Oral Surgery Associates and Dental Implant Centers, and we're learning a lot about, um, you know, the options that people have for um, getting a full mouth of teeth. And one of the things that you have is the ability, you have a service that if I come with, you know, this kind of a need, it's potential that I could leave today with a full set of teeth versus necessarily having to come back two or three times. Tell me a little bit more about the options that you have. Well, even with what we call a teeth in a day, which is, by the way, is a copyrighted name, but uh, they have to understand that it's really, there's two or three appointments just for the workup first. Mm -hmm. They have to get things made. We have to do the diagnosis and the appropriate x-rays and films. And then we're ready to go to the surgery. And where the teeth in a day comes from is that we are able to take them from extraction to smoothing the bone down, placing implants, and then taking a restoration that's pre-made and mounting it on the new implants. And so they do walk out of there, one surgery that day. And then the original prosthesis that's put in their mouth then in about four months has changed to what we call a final prosthesis, and that's much stronger. The first one is all acrylic. It's made uh, right there, and what happens is is that gives us a chance to make sure all the implants take, that the color, the fit, every little fine detail of that prosthesis is acceptable to the patient and also to us too. It has to be right. And then four months later, they get the final one, which has a metal uh, framework inside it that doesn't show, but it makes it much stronger. And that's what carries them through the long haul. Mm-hmm. And, and and so from a recovery perspective, what can I expect when I come in and I get my implants placed? What's my recovery process like? You know, each patient and situation is different. Obviously, with um, this teeth in a day procedure, the recovery is a little a little longer. But I will tell you, it's not that bad. That's what patients say. It's um, you know very little swelling. If there's you know the surgery, the prep work is done ahead of time with the surgical guides that we can now create with the CT scans, and um, so the the surgery is pretty quick, and we're able to convert it, and the the recovery time is not so bad. When it comes to say a single tooth extraction and implant. I will say that people who have extractions, you know, the recovery time and and their level of pain um, is mild, but when they get the implant placed, I would have to say most of them report that it's much less uncomfortable, and, you know, some patients don't even take uh, pain medication. Mm -hmm. The the placement of the implant um, is, is... not quite painful at all. Uh, we now have the opportunity to do an extraction, um, and uh, through a lot of uh, expertise, we have found that uh, placing an uh, implant immediately after extraction has been quite successful. And um, 
I can see that you know the anatomy uh, is maintained um, in the area, so when the patient does get a, a final tooth, uh, it looks more natural. And um, the time frame from when a patient can actually get the final tooth, you know, um, we you hear on the, t uh, the TV a lot about you know this teeth in a day or teeth in an hour. You know, but again, every patient's different, and and every tooth is different, and how we can reconstruct this. So if we're taking this tooth out, um, we either can implant it immediately, or we can um, uh, delay it. And again, it takes about three to four months for an implant to actually fuse, or what we call osseointegrate, into the bone. Mm -hmm. And then we test it. We make sure it's ready to be functioned on, and uh, we refer them to the dentist to make the crown. So, you know, every patient's different. You know, you know uh, their expectations need to be discussed. Uh, when they come in for the consultation and education. So, talking about education too, we are, as oral surgeons, are constantly being trained on new techniques. And that's one of the things about our group too that I wanted to add is that we uh, really pride ourselves on in our group uh, being at the forefront of technology. We make sure we evaluate it first. We don't want to put in, do anything that's not been thoroughly researched, but we do keep on top of the latest uh, advancements in implants. And you wouldn't think, well, gosh, how much difference could there be in one plant implant from another? But there are. There are subtle things that can be done to an implant that make it uh, a lot more uh, suitable for bone for the long term. The bone stays healthier around it and that type of thing. And everything above it, too. There's uh, so many uh, materials that are coming on board and uh, technology is just expanding and exploding all around us every day, and, and we are on top of that type of thing, as Lisa we're trying to be. Yeah, I would um, just uh, plug in for you. He just got back from speaking, um, where, where were you? New Orleans, <laughs> to a bunch of oral surgeons uh, discussing the, his techniques and some of the things that he's found. So definitely a leader in our field, and I'm just uh, honored to be with him in our group. Um, I know we talked a lot about our practice, but um, we talked earlier about all the different locations that we have. We found that, you know, with all these multiple locations, they're all in different um, cities and areas, you know, so therefore we're treating different patients mm -hmm. and different types of patients. And um, initially when I came on with this group, I found out, you know, these people are also getting expertise from our, you know, the physicians in all over. They don't have to drive all the way into a particular location mm -hmm. to see a particular doctor. These doctors are all going out servicing, you know, everyone in multiple communities providing their expertise. Mm -hmm. And added to that, too, is that in, in our group, with a group our size, uh, we had mentioned each individual has their own uh, uh, background and uh, strengths, and we can uh, really add those strengths to the treatment plan for a certain patient. If I have a question about a certain drug or a technique that I know someone else has researched in our group, uh, we meet once a month and we can talk about those uh, different things. And so it really benefits the patient and that's what we're all here for. It seems like, you know, it's funny uh, in our specialty, which is, which is wounds uh, of a variety of types. I mean, many of those patients are coming from, uh, uh, referral that involves a number of different specialists, whether we're talking about diabetic patients or radiation patients and so forth. It's, it's fine. It's interesting. And I think that we're going to see it uh, uh, emerge as a more of kind of an expect, expected thing that we have more than one specialist treating a patient, really kind of regardless of what area of the body that we're talking about here. It may seem 
to, you know, the casual glance that, you know, I'm going to the dentist, the dentist is going to fix my teeth, or I'm just going to go to the oral surgeon, and they're going to do their thing. But based on what you're saying, I mean, it, you know, even within, you know, this kind of very focused specialty, we have the need for a number of different eyes from, uh, you know, the different perspectives to make sure that the outcome that we have is really the best. It's not just because this is what I do, so this is what I'm going to do for you. This is what I do. I'm going to add that, and then I'm going to bring in uh, Dr. Hall, for example, to to give some suggestions or, or some perspective from the training and background that they have. So it sounds like multi-specialty or at least a team approach uh, is important in what you guys yeah, do. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, you know, you know, you have a, a lot of folks who can do the procedure, you know, all in one. You know, they can do the implant, they can place the crown, they can do it, you know, they claim to do everything with a group that uh, not only works amongst themselves, but also with, um, you know, high-level specialists, we actually can come up with the ideal treatment plan uh, for a patient, so, you know, with different opportunities. Well, that, I mean, that sounds like one of the one of the things I wanted to, you know, have each of you kind of opine on it is what would you really want for a, a specialist out there who's potentially going to refer you patients, what, what what are some key points you would really want them to know about you? And then I'm a patient, I'm sitting here listening today to, you know, uh, you all about uh, the various things that I might be facing. What would you want me to know uh, as I'm considering where do I go? Who do I, why, why, why come to you? So tell me what you want those I'll, folks to I'll, know. I'll say something real, you know, real quick. You know, when um, somebody's looking for any type of uh, physician or dentist for treatment, you know, it's uh, it's important that they educate themselves. You know, talk about how long they've been doing it. Do they have photos from before and after? Um, what you know, how they're going to do it? Because many patients or many physicians or dentists will do things differently, and all have different results. So it's very important that they educate themselves. What uh, can you do for me? Um, what are all the options? And um, you know, do you have any examples that you can show me? And, you know, the other thing I think about when it comes to choosing a specialist versus, you know, uh, uh, a general dentist for, for um, you know, it, it, for me, I, you know, people will often ask, do I, you know, you know, so-and-so can place this, um, why, why do I need to come to you? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, for me, a lot of times it's the level of expertise, mm -hmm. how often we're doing it and how we can handle the complications if there are complications. And, you know, are we going to stand behind our work? Mm-hmm. You know, Charlie, too, What uh, I heard a speaker recently, they uh, said one of the reasons that we think that we're uh, a great group to come to is because we do push the philosophy that we want the patient to be treated like we want to be treated ourselves. But even more than that, we want to treat the patient the way they want to be treated. Mm -hmm. and, it, and like we were talking about before, one size doesn't fit all. And so we have to take the patients uh, into account, their total... Uh, ex uh, life experience that they're trying to uh, improve and uh, then go from there and base our treatment plans on that. Well, I, I, I'm not surprised based on what I know about uh, you guys and then, of course, learning about uh, a little bit more about you when I was looking at the website. It, it, you know, I know you guys are treating other dental specialists and dental, dental um, professionals that are coming to you for their care. 
Yeah, it's very rewarding to have that happen. I mean, that says yes. a lot. If uh, you know, if you if you want to find out who is really good, you know, find out who the doctor that's seeing you is going to go see. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that certainly would be a good reason to go and uh, find someone within your group that's nearby that would suit your needs. So, uh, obviously, I've mentioned the website a little bit. Let's let's tell the community about how can we get in touch and get information uh, with you guys from a website. And I know you may have some social media presence out there. So, tell us where we find you. You know, we do have a website. Um, it's georgia-oms.com, and you can see all of our different locations and where um, and meet all of our doctors and read our bios and which doctors go to which location, you know, and find out which one that serves you best. Um, and then you can contact the offices. There's phone numbers for all different offices and um, get in and get to meet one of us. I will say we also have treatment plan coordinators, like the dental treatment plan co coordinators that are a benefit for the patient. So um, when they get in, we can uh, work with their general dentist as well. So this would be somebody that I would kind of interact along the way. They would kind of be familiar with me and kind of help me guide through. I the call process. them their, their, you know, their patient liaison or their no. person or their personal assistant for the the process. Okay. That way, they when they call in, they can talk to the one person that knows them instead of getting a different person every time. Uh, it makes it a little bit more personal. Mm -hmm. You were getting ready to say something, or was that what you were? That gonna was going to say. Yeah. Now, do you guys have Twitter or or Facebook? You know, I do have a Facebook. Uh, it's Brenda Hall, DDSMD, uh, Oral Maxillofacial Surgeon. Um, um, I post cases up there, so you can see a lot of my before and afters, some lectures that I have put together and, and given. So, you know, and sometimes our patients will post some funny videos and, and photos of them being in my office. I have a cute little boy on there who was wonderful, and so his mother was kind enough to post a, a nice little video. So, um, yeah, I've got that uh, website if anyone's ever interested. And, and of course... Um this is C.W. Hall, your host of Top Docs Radio, and of course I have uh, a presence online too, and I link up with all of our guests on their site. So if for whatever reason you can't remember the address or whatever, if you go to uh, my Twitter uh, site, which is Top Docs on BRX, uh, you can find most of the guests. I'll, I'll make sure I link up with all of our guests that have uh, uh, Twitter locations there. I'm also on Facebook facebook.com slash top docs on BRX. Um, and as you know, I'm the physician liaison for a, a wound and hyperbaric medicine practice called Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia. And you can find out information there if you're dealing with a wound that's not healing or you've had some radiation uh, in the past and now you're having some trouble in that field. Please get yourself educated about the options for you there. And that website is www.hbomdga.com on Twitter at HBOMD. GA.com. And then also on uh, Facebook at Facebook slash HBOMDGA. And again, I link up with all of our guests there and uh, I try to make sure I put up uh, on our sites some information so that uh, depending on whether they're coming to you through your site or ours, we can get them uh, information that would be useful to them. And I want to say thank you very much to uh, Dr. Gordon Brady and Dr. Brenda Hall, a couple of oral surgery specialists here from Oral Surgery Associates in, in Atlanta. And uh, thank you guys for taking so much time today and uh, getting some great information out to the community. It was I'm an sure honor. It's a lot thank of you. Value. Thank you, Charlie. We really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. We'll see you all next week.